Hunter, a first-person sandbox game from 1991. It's Amigos, episode 319. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Hunter. Now, Aaron, I wouldn't really call you a man of the wilderness, but I would be remiss to ask you, surely in your many, many, many years on this planet, you've been hunting at least once, right? Snipe hunting. <laughs> no, I've never been hunting with a gun or a knife, a bow and arrow. Really? A flask oh, of acid, grenade. Me. No, I've never have. I. You know, despite my gruff exterior, I'm a lover of animals and nature. Mm, and I and mm. I just can't even if someone said, "Here's a gun, hose, go out and shoot a a, a deer." Or say it's a rabid deer, all right? Mm-hmm. It might bite you. Old yellow right? style. Yeah. That's right. I still wouldn't do it because I just don't Now, if it's a bug or something, I kill that sucker. Mm-hmm. You know, if Where do you a, draw the line though? I mean, you know, you're okay with killing a bug, you're not okay with killing a deer. Where's cuteness. that gray area in between? It's a cuteness factor. Like I'll, you throttle a rat, no question. I wouldn't throttle him. That'd be kind of weird. But I would like I'll put out a rat trap, you know. Okay. And then I'll and then I'll get fifty pairs of gloves and a broom and a mop and stand twenty foot away and <laughs> scoop it into the thing. You know, I don't like to touch animal dead animals. I'll pet. I go to a petting zoo. You know all that job. Mm. I'm just not the kind of guy. I don't really like to fish. <laughs> I don't, I've never kept a fish, and I've only caught a few in my life. I didn't really want to touch them either, to be if mm-hmm. I'm honest. They are I'm just, a little bit gross. I'm a I'm a not a good West Virginian, I guess. I, I can't help it. What, what what about you? I bet you've been hunting a bunch of times. I've been hunting a couple times, uh, just a couple. You know, I uh, my my dad somehow turned into a lover of guns later in life. When we were growing up, uh, he, 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 went, he didn't have anything to do with him. But then at some point, he changed, and he ended up getting a whole bunch of guns. And I went out with him when I was probably in late middle school, early high school, probably late middle school, probably seventh grade or so. It was one of the least enjoyable experiences of my life. You get out, you get out there. It's 430 <laughs> in the morning. No good, okay. Yeah. It's free. It's November. It's freaking cold outside. It's cold. It's dark. And then it starts to rain. That's when the fun begins. And you sit out there and you wait. You wait for we were. I think we were hunting for squirrels. Okay. And so you just you 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 wait for a while, and then you sort of just like skulk around the woods. And of course, the woods in West Virginia are not flat. Every woods in in, in West Virginia is on the side of a mountain. So you're trying to you're you're evading the slippery leaves as you're holding onto your gun. After that, you know, I have no problem with with hunting. I have no problem with animals. I feel like if I'm going to be eating meat, I better not have an ethical dilemma with people killing animals. But when it comes to the enjoyment of the sport of hunting, that I leave to other people. I am I am not about and and you know you fishing. I'm the same way. Like fishing, you got to put your hands on gross bait. You got to impale the bait on a hook. Then if you get quote unquote lucky, you get a reel in this slimy creature that you have to disengage from the hook, possibly doing even more damage to the creature. And then you act like you're doing it a solid by throwing it back. Let me tell you, if somebody hooked me in the mouth with a metal hook and then jabbed it out of me, I wouldn't take too kindly to them, even if they did throw me back in the water. Yeah. You know, well, you know, uh, not the berry hunters, because hunting is a, uh, uh, 
uh, way of life in, here in, in the home. Absolutely. But Absolutely. One, and one, we're only, uh, uh, in fact, maybe not even a generation or two for people that hunted because that's how they ate meat. I mean, that's right. My right. grandpa went out in the woods when he was a kid, and that's how I've told you. I mean, this sucker was so hungry, they were eating grass, anything they could get mm -hmm. hold of. So if they could go out and shoot a turkey or a uh, or or a deer or something like that, that'd be some good eating. And I've had deer, and if it's prepared correctly, it's real good. Uh, you know, it's tasty, the way, depending mm -hmm. on how they do it. Of course, turkey's real good, too, and pheasant and all that stuff. But I'm just not the guy to do it. And I guess my, my family had to have it. I mean, I suppose I could try to figure it out. But And you're right. I don't like getting up early. The woods are, like you said, they're steep. And those leaves, when they get wet, like you're going to fall face down mm -hmm. into the muck. You're going to be nasty. Yep. You're going to be cold. And I mean, uh, hunters are, are, are a hardy bunch. You know, yeah. I'll That's really what it all comes down to. I'm not hardy and or grizzled enough to be a hunter. You think I'm going to field dress a deer? Heck no. I'll be I'll be back in the truck. I could actually put a dress on a deer before I could do it. I could I would have a better chance of doing that. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Why don't we leave this riveting conversation about hunting? We're going to get back to Hunter shortly, but uh, we need to talk about Britain's number one selling Amiga magazine. Aaron, let's talk a little bit about Amiga Addict. Absolutely, Boaster. You know. Uh, we've been tooling through the most uh, recent edition of Amiga Attic, which is issue seven, uh, as the as at the time we're recording this. And I was flipping through the letters section. I always like these, and I came across uh, this area here. It's one of these deals where they look back at what was going on at a certain time. In this case, it's January of 1991. It got me to thinking about what I was doing in '91. Because mm -hmm. I was only a, I was only a couple years out of high school back in those days. Right. Do you remember what you what you were up to in ninety one? Fourth grade. <laughs> Are you kidding me? That's no, what I was, no. I was in fourth grade in nineteen ninety one. Well, that's that's that hurts me. It hurts my soul. <laughs> uh, you know, they're talking about one of the things they mentioned here at the box. I was Terminator two. I went and saw Terminator two when I was on a beach trip with the Chud. I really? Seeing, yeah, I remember thinking. So why are we going to a movie at the beach? But he wanted to yeah. go, and it was yep. awesome. That was a mm -hmm. great flick that came out around time. They also talk about the uh, the CDTV uh, b being out and released at that point, which is cool. Really, that now, was ninety one. For some reason, I thought the CDTV was in the late eighties. I didn't realize. So it was only th like almost three years removed from the CD thirty two. They also he also uh, goes on to mention. Uh, some of the software that was out around that time, uh, Lemmings, Alien Breed, Exile, mm -hmm. Moonstone, uh, Lotus Two, uh, the some good 90, stuff. You know the the ninety through ninety three era, I think, has to be regarded as the golden era for Amiga gaming. This is when you really started to get nothing but solid releases. I think. Yeah, and then they, they had to go into the uh, uh, the sad news that the. Uh, uh, Freddie Mercury passed away. Uh, mm. I remember uh, I was a big fan of Queen, and that was mm -hmm. a real bummer when he died. And oh, then they yeah. had that that god awful tribute concert to him, which I mean, <laughs> you didn't enjoy. Axl Rose and Elton John, uh, no, arm in no. Arm. It, well, for one thing, they told, I don't know if we've ever talked this on the show, but they had, they had Axl, uh, they had Elton John go out and try to perform Bohemian Rhapsody. Could you have picked the worst guy to do that? <laughs> and I remember the only guy on the show that I thought was a big star that came off looking good was George Michaels. Uh, he, I think he sang a, uh, uh, Find Me Somebody to Love, I think was what he said. And it was mm. awesome. It was so well, good. Well, him, Bowie looked pretty good on that one, too. Yeah, I think he did it. Didn't he do a duet with Annie Lennox, I believe? Was that? Yeah, I, they did, I, under, they did pressure, under pressure. I'm pretty sure, yeah. 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 It was okay. 
But I mean, really, I watched the whole show and I wanted to like it, and I didn't like any of it except for George Michael. Uh, mm, but that, that's why I found that interesting. They also mentioned that that uh, this was when Nirvana had blown it open with "Smells Like Teen Spirit." We just talked about this album a while back with the baby on the cover that sued them. Uh, but that right. actual album covers in the magazine here. <laughs> so, so there you go. <laughs> I love the I love looking back on stuff like that, and that's sort of part of what makes Amiga Addict fun. It's like you could almost put yourself back to that golden age because you're reading an Amiga magazine in 2021, brother. It's not just uh, old articles and stuff. This is brand new content with right. brand new ads. Ads for stuff you can buy today, stuff you want, yes. stuff you need. Uh, it's glorious to have one, to hold it in your hand. It's been a long time coming. Uh, and if you are at all nostalgic or want to keep up with what's going on, uh, today, this is the way to go. And the magazine that has a slew of great writers putting out top shelf content, Boat. Absolutely. And of course, we do appreciate Amiga Addict for sponsoring this episode of Amigos. Now, speaking, Aaron, of all the news keeping us up to date on the Amiga scene, why don't we check out what's new in the world of Amiga News this week? Amiga News. All right, Aaron, let's kick things off here <laughs> in a way that only we can. Yeah. Um, so let's take a look at this uh, this magazine, or this is Epic Action Volume 1, Aaron. Yeah, Have I'm you had a chance? This one. So this is a new Kickstarter all about, uh, and what it is, it's a compilation of favorite C64 and Amiga game music remade as film scores. Now, we've seen... <laughs> Okay, We've seen cool. quite a few of these kind of cover albums before. Uh, I believe that there was one Amiga Powered put out a compilation of uh, Amiga, yeah. you know, music. There's it been metal good, cover yeah. bands and stuff like that. But this is Hollywood style. This is epic Hollywood style action film scores is what this is. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm imagining a lot of, you know, John Williams-esque type music, you know, with a lot of timpani a lot of strings and stuff like that. Bombastic, Aaron, is the word that comes to mind. This Kickstarter is trying to raise the princely sum of 25 grand, Aaron. 25 grand is what's going to take this thing to get off the ground. I guess they've got to rent out the orchestra and all that stuff. It takes money to pay those, musicians, Are those orchestras Aaron. pricey, Bo? You're, you're they, a, well, you're here's, a the thing about, here's the thing about orchestras. They're not yeah. small groups of people. A, a good orchestra is going to have 50, 60 people in it. And so even if you're just paying a pittance per player, that adds up. That adds up. And they charge by the hour. Now, wait They're a minute. What if, you, what if you get the orchestra and you call them up and say, listen, brother, I know you like to get paid, but why don't you do us a freebie? It's Amiga music. That should be enough to gather a, a good-sized orchestra. I, I have a feeling that if this Kickstarter fails, that is exactly the route they're going to go. They're going to they're gonna try and, and, and get in. But you owe it to yourself, if you are a fan of the C64 and the Amiga, to try and get this thing off the ground. Uh, if you pledge, Aaron, uh, let's see, looks like we're going to have to go $23. You will receive... The full digital album, Aaron, uh, and this is this includes the CD booklet and all that stuff. And of course, uh, you will get your name in the credits. So twenty three bucks Canadian, Canadian, Aaron is getting you in the door here. Uh, but if you don't have that much to spend and you just want three of the tracks from the album, you can just throw in a fiver. I think they call that a loony, Aaron. Is that what you? <laughs> 
you you throw <laughs> in a fiver. Yeah, yeah a, a, a fiver loony is the the, the proper you know, Canadian dollar term. I'm looking at these tracks, Boat. If you, if we could take a uh, look at these real quick, I'm looking at these. You got master, you got C64 and, and Amiga. I guess it's like a, a both sides get it, like a, a both computers get a side or whatever. Now I'm not as familiar with the uh, C64 stuff, but I know some of these, the Master Magic R Type, a great guy and sisters. I've heard those. And then the Amiga side. Now you're getting some, some quality stuff here. You've got the uh, the Lotus Music, Turk and Two, one of the tracks from that, Shadow the Beast, uh, uh, Dune, Lost Patrol. So those, those are pretty good tunes. It is. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Normally these, I have a some interest, not a ton in these, but I I wouldn't mind hearing these with the big big band going to work on. That might right. be kind of fun. Right. And of course, there's the quote there from Barry Letch down there at the the bottom of the page. He says, when I heard the Hero Quest theme played by this orchestra, this is how it sounded in my head when I wrote it. I like So that. there you go. Yeah. yeah. Fulfill so, anyway, these brilliant guys. Fulfill their dreams. <laughs> yes. Where are we at? Let's see where we're at so far on this thing, Boat. $84.99 is where we are. So we are just under halfway there. We've still got 22 days to go. So this thing launched fairly recently. This is coming to you straight out of Whitby, Canada. You know in Whitby, they don't mess around. Mm-mm. Now, okay. Aaron, we move on to probably the biggest Amiga show in the United States, Amy West 2021, the premier Amiga show in North America. Oh, man. Now, Aaron, you may recall last year, we did a little little promo video for Amy West. And uh, it's going down again, Aaron. It's going yeah. down in Sacktown. That's right. The Sacramento Amiga Computer Club is hosting this event October 15th and 17th. Between October 15th and 17th. They're not taking the 16th off, folks. They're going right on through. <laughs> yes, sir. Now, you know, they've got a lot going on at this thing, Boat. They do. Don't you believe me? <laughs> <laughs> they've got a lot going on. Tell me about it, man. Well, they've, you know... Uh, Amongst other things, you're going to have the usual stuff you get. You get your exhibitors that come out, okay? They've got a show hall featuring more than 10 exhibitors. They've got 12 presenters, both on-site and online. Good move, right? Get more people, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to have the uh, annual Amy West Banquet, my yes. friend. Uh, and that's no full one. And this thing's, uh, I've heard a lot about it. Uh, you also now this me and you talked about this, but we thought this was super clever. So they're bringing back the uh, Amy West raffle, the mm-hmm. raffle boat. Now, here's the problem with the raffle, right? If you're not there, you're boned, right? right. Wrong, incorrect. Oh. Oh. Because Amy West thought outside the box. The raffle's open to the whole internet. Holy cow! You could actually buy tickets and participate in the raffle. Uh, it's going to be a big deal, uh, and I will say. And if uh, in our chat right now in the live chat, we have Tech Mage is in. If you have any questions uh, in the chat, direct it over to him. He's one. He's the big dog. Mm-hmm. And I told Tech Mage when he sent me a message in private. I said, "I'm surprised that Amy Westall will talk to us after what video we sent there <laughs> last year." But we love Amy West. Yeah, and we wish it nothing but the best. They've got a thing they're doing. Uh, where they're going to have two um, different sorts of Amigas. That's all I'm going to say. Have a, a duel or a battle, which would be pretty cool. neat. Yeah, They've man. got a lot of stuff going on. In cl- and I also, also mentioned that our good buddy, uh, 
our good buddy Frank from Retro Rewind is an online sponsor for them. So he'll be there doing his thing. Uh, it should be a good time, Bo. Give those dates again, if you will. So that's going to be October 15th through 17th. This is presented by the Sacramento Amiga Computer Club in blue, in beautiful Sacramento, California. So uh, the, the website is amigans.net. Oh, never mind. This is this is I guess the uh, they've announced this on Amigans.net. Um, you can check out the link on the gather page, gather.com slash amigos podcast for the full link there. There you go. Should be great. And we're looking forward to it. Probably more to come, Boat, uh, in yes. the next uh, week or so before the big uh, the big thing. Uh, TechMage also has mentioned that those in it who attend the banquet will have a shot at a signed Pi 400. Not nice. too bad. Not nice. too bad. So that should be a good time. You know, if I was going to this, I don't miss a banquet. You know what I mean? No. How often do we get to go to a banquet? Zero Never. times, Boat. So That's right. If we were anywhere near California, we'd be at this sucker, wouldn't we? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we wish Amiga or Amy West all the best. And I know that we're going to be talking about this as the event draws ever closer. Correct. But Aaron, there's been a slate of new videos released this week that you yes. informed me of. Uh, let's talk about this one first. This new inbox Okie Data Microline 590, Aaron. Well, you know, uh, our buddy Chris Edwards released a couple of videos this week. But this one, listen, I used to have one an Okie Data, okay, printer back in the day. Now, I had they one were a the big name. They were well. They were a big name, but they weren't a big printer. And I, I will say, I never considered them a quality printer. But they were mm. also something you could you could afford, you know. Right. And so, Chris has got his hands on an Okadata Microline five ninety. I watch this whole thing. He gets it all put together. He fires it up and prints some stuff out. It works. Then he gets the Amiga hooked up to it. It prints some stuff out. You know, I like the fact. You remember when we pulled out my that Coleco Atom that I have, and it yeah, had the printer. Yeah, one of the greatest days you, of my life. <laughs> we didn't do anything to it, and it printed because yeah. these printers can't be killed. These not made. They are the printers. they are the exact opposite of today's printers, which die when you look at them. So. Now, Chris is in the chat, and he mentions that he had left this. He forgot about it in his closet. <laughs> for all these years, nineteen years in his closet. Wow. See, that's why I wanted to make sure we talked about this. Because let me tell you something, Chris Edwards, clean out your closets. There could be all kinds of crazy stuff in there. He's probably got know. four or five 4,000 4, Ts in there. He's just forgotten about them. Probably so. So check out Chris Edwards. Check out his channel on YouTube. It's a little Chris Edwards. Great stuff. Always entertaining. Lots of good Amiga content, Boatster. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron, let's move it on down the line. This time, let's talk about the terrible fire uh, interview with the guys over at retro, uh, the Retro Hour. Now, you know, we love the Retro Hour. We're yeah. always, they've always been super nice to us for a long time back. Mm -hmm. And this week, they have a whole show where they talk about the terrible fire, including the uh, fellow behind the project, uh, uh, Stephen Leary. Mm -hmm. uh, this, you know... One of these days, you know, I've got a, a CD32, as you know, Bo, but it's kind of jacked up, you know, uh, and I really do need to take a look at it. That's one of the reasons I never bothered to get one of these things. But good interview. This show's always good. They do news. They do a lot of good stuff. Uh, Ravi and the gang, Dan, and the other poor fella. I never can remember his name. Uh, to Dinosaur this day. Pie. He's, he's been, no, 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 that's the wrong show. Uh, but uh, 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 check this out. And, and really, you should always listen to the Retro Hour. 
because it's always good. But they're always yeah. they're sort of a, they're sort of a they're they're sort of a companion show to our show where they are <laughs> I'm gonna hear this. and know what they're talking about, and we're the opposite of that. So we're, 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 we're brothers in arms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. So but, but there you go. Terrible fire. Check that out. Yeah. Now, Aaron, this next video comes to us from the one, the only 10-minute Amiga retrocast. Doug is back with a full video about a 3D-printed black backplane. I don't even know well, what a backplane is. Listen, Boat, I, I, you sound like you're you're underselling this, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put this over. Okay, I'll okay, tell you man. why. Two reasons. One. Doug could talk about paint drying and make it interesting. That's what Doug, that's Doug's <laughs> that's, special that's gift, that's right? True. And also, why he's doing it, he would some find some way to badmouth the Atari ST because I, <laughs> I, I noticed on Twitter this week was there was a full burial involved. But anyway, Doug's back. You know, Doug's got a juiced up, jacked up, double ham fisted Amiga 1000 on mega steroids, right? Yeah. You can't put a normal backplane on that. That's for suckers, suckers like you and me who've done nothing. Right. Doug needs a special backplane. All right, a backplane is a backplate. Is what that is. Oh, okay. How do we? How do we ever get backplane? Is that what it's called? It is because that's that. what it says in the the, the video's title is black. Back What's wrong plane. with backplate? Is there I, a I difference? Think maybe it's the cool. It's the new thing that they call it. You know, you it's like me. how they never they never call it. Um, I don't know. I, I got nothing. Well done. So this is uh, but I, I mean, I'm watching this. Yeah. This is this is an Amiga 1000, right? Correct. He's got so much stuff loaded on here. You can barely even see the original board. I mean, That's this right. thing is loaded to the nines with upgrades. He's got it. He, and he goes over all the crazy stuff. He's, he's got it all. Now, listen, there's oh, there's a man, a certain man that can print anything. Back plates, back planes, pl airplanes, anything you want he can print. He's a little <laughs> man I like to call Dave Z. David Z, David Arizona. He's the wizard of 3D printing. He's the king dog of 3d mm. printing and and guess who prints this back plate it's david z he takes mm. he does a lot of doug's 3d work and he and this is some specialized crap so you get to see doug show off this back plate and then go into all the wacky and i mean wacky additions he's put in his 1000 this thing does it all it, it'll not only is do a video toaster it will make toast it's got it all boat so <laughs> if you are interested in checking out uh doug's uh, super amped Amiga 1000 with a backplate specially made by David Z. This is the video for you. It's it's wacky time with that one, Boaster. That sounds good. Now, our next yeah. video, Aaron, is not anything to do with the Amiga, but is made by friend of the show, supporter of the show, and all around good old gal, Macintosh librarian. You know, I love Kate's stuff. And you know me. I hate the Mac. I hate Apple. And I hate every, everything involved with them. But... <laughs> I love Mackie. I got my little Mackie right here, Boat. And mm -hmm. Mackie's front row center for this particular video that Kate puts up. The history of logo programming. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You may be too young to have ever messed with logo. Did you ever fool with it? Never. Is this the one with the little turtle? This is the one with the turtle. I, okay. I kid you not when I tell you I'd forgotten that this existed. Okay? And when this thing started, and I watched what this thing, what was going on, I, I jaw hit the ground. Because I had done this. Mm. And I totally forgot about it, man. And uh, Kate goes in and gives you the full scoop. This is a lot like her video in Mecca, something else I didn't know I cared about. Uh, this is a top-shelf video. Her stuff, when it comes to teaching you stuff, making it entertaining, uh, I'm not just saying this because she's a friend of the show. This is top-shelf work. And so if you are at all interested 
in the Mac or Logo or just want to learn something you didn't know, uh, I would give this a shot. And by the way, the Logo came out on a bunch of computers, including the Coco and the Amiga. So there were various versions of this. Uh, this was uh, this was quite the uh, program back in the 70s and 80s uh, to get kids started in programming. And really, it's sort of the basis of it, like your do-it-yourself learn programming uh, skills that are being that my son's even doing right now. You know, this is sort of where it all began. So it's mm -hmm. very interesting. Check this out on the Macintosh Librarian channel on YouTube. Cool, cool. All right, Aaron. We wind up our uh, our pre-game uh, festivities, festivities with talking about what's new over at RetroRewind.ca. Now, uh, every once in a while. Frank puts out something really mind-blowing, really jaw-dropping. I always have to check the What's New box down there about three-quarters of the way down the page on the old Retro Rewind page. And Aaron, this isn't one of those weeks. But, but Aaron, if you are in need of a 72-pin SIM socket shipped to you directly from the friendly folks over in Toronto, Canada, you can get one for the low, low price of $10. Now, Aaron, when was the last time you installed a brand new 70-pin SIM socket? You know, you you laugh. You, I know you say this in a mocking way, but... Of course I do. I actually <laughs> I had to get a a, a, a socket. Uh, now, I don't recall the pin count boat, I'll be honest mm -hmm. with you, but uh, it's when I was upgrading my Coco. Uh, a, a while back, the Coco 3, I went through and socketed some chips and put newer chips in. And, of course, uh, Frank will actually be dealing in some Coco stuff very soon. He's One thing I like about the way Frank operates over at Retro Rewind, you know, a lot of this stuff's open source. You can just go mm -hmm. and print it or whatever. But... Uh, I'll, and then people will take this stuff and sell it, and you know, and they're, themselves are caught. So Frank negotiates deals with all the guys that actually did this work. He wants everyone to, you know, he wants permissions to be set. He wants people to get paid that deserve to be paid. He wants to make sure everything's above board. I know this just from talking to him because we were talking because he's uh, in negotiations with the Coco SDC. Uh, and so this is the way to operate above board, uh, get make all the people that you work with happy. And so you'll be on board whenever their newest and greatest comes out. It's one of the things that makes uh, Retro Rewind CA a nice, safe place to do your business because, you know, they do things the right way, Boat. Yeah, absolutely. And we do appreciate uh, Frank and the, the guys over at Retro Rewind for sponsoring the show. Hey, and guess what? You can save 10% off this or any order by just using the promo code AMIGOS10 at checkout. Save you a couple bucks, but listen, Frank has practically given this stuff away. His prices are out of this world. You definitely owe it to yourself to head over to RetroRewind.ca for all of your classic Commodore 64, Commodore 128, plus 416, and Amiga needs. Now, Aaron, it's time to go hunting. Oh it's man, Hunter! What? <coughs> Sorry, I got something in my throat. There. You really, you really <laughs> build that great. Well, listen, Hunter boat, Hunter, uh, released in August of '91 boat, mm -hmm. uh, and this date will be more impressive as we talk about the game going forward. August of '91, one disc boat. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. That is that is the miracle of the century. This thing published, on one disc. published by Activision and, and coded by a fellow named Paul Holmes. It's funny, Bo, because I looked over what Paul had previously done, you know, mm -hmm. 
And he did he did a game called Fly Fighters. He did a game okay. called No Excuses. We never heard of those. I, I like these names. I've Power never heard of the Play. Games. Okay. Scorpion. Hockey. But here's the one that really got me, Bode. He did Spitting Image. <laughs> A oh, game that we really? hated that game. Yeah. Yes, Boat. We hated that game, but he was behind it. Uh, and he he also, not only did he do the coding on this, but the graphics, the music on this, uh, such as it is, was a fellow named Martin Walker. He hasn't done, uh, he's done Nine Lives, Atomic Robo Kid, uh, Devious Designs, Dragon Breed, uh, Spin Dizzy, just some like random stuff. Uh, this game is an ECS-OCS game. This was originally done on the Amiga and then ported over to the ST. I was reading the difficulties uh, that were involved in porting this to the ST uh, involving the blitter. Now, listen, I'm no programmer, Boat. Uh, I but, can't wait to hear you talk to me yeah, about you're the gonna blitter. Yeah, you're going to love this. Well, it's just fascinating to me. So they were porting. They were going to do this for the Amiga and the Atari ST. And they were like, you know, the, I guess the Atari ST doesn't have the, a, a blitter like the Amiga does. So they had That's to do right. like a software version of a blitter. Software right? blitter. I, by the way, mm. people that know anything about this are laughing. Here's a kicker, though. It turns out they made it faster than the Amiga's hardware. <laughs> so, well, actually, you know what they say: job. the ST is the fastest Amiga. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, well, I <laughs> no, they don't say that. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> um, so, this game. Let's talk about. Let's get into it, boat. Uh, this is a. What we, how would you describe this exactly? You want to give this a this, world? Yeah, this is this. this is an open world exploration. This is a 3D uh, third person exploration combat adventure. Vehicular. Okay, that sounds about right. Uh, you're you're stretching there, but so <laughs> in this game, I've got believe it or not, there's a backstory for this, and I, I want to get into it a little bit because it gives you. I don't, I don't know if you if you. I'm assuming you did look through the docs at some point. Oh yeah, I read everything. <laughs> Without the docs, you're you're really boned on this one. So basically, there's a land, there's a land where uh, uh, it's a it's a series of islands, ar- ar- archipelagos, I think they call them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's and right. You are uh, you you are employed by the government there. You're a secret. They, you're a secret or not a secret service. You're a special forces agent. Yeah. You're a hunter, which these are like mm-hmm. sort of like the elite troops of of right. the of this I- series of islands. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing is basically trying to undermine and eventually defeat an invading force, okay, that have occupied half of the islands, okay? Now, uh, how do you do that? Because you've already, they were invading and then they stopped. So there's already in the storyline, there's always some indication that you've already, you and your buddies have already done enough to stop their, their invasion. Now it's time to get them out of there, right? Right. And that's where you come in. You're the hunter, and you've got to go through and sabotage and kill certain people and do certain missions that will slowly but surely eliminate the enemy troops from your island. So in case you yeah. ever wonder what was going on there, that's what it is. Uh, and that's why half these islands are safe for you, and then the other half are not safe because you will go, because that's where the enemy's at. Which uh, We should mention that we played this... Did we play this? I think we played this on two separate Amigathons, as I recall. I, I know we played it at least once. I, I, yeah. I definitely, I. This is one of those games you can't forget about. When you play, you'll always remember it. Right, right. So, uh, this this game has three different modes. We should talk about these modes before we get into the gameplay, so because they're sort of pertinent. Okay, so you've got a hunter mode. Okay, hunter is a is a mode 
where you get you you do various missions uh, that lead to other long, long missions, and each you unlock little pieces of these puzzles to un- to, to fully complete the mission. Okay, then you've got missions mode where you do short missions, and then they'll give you uh, uh, another short mission that's a little more difficult. Then they'll give you another one, and eventually the missions get slightly longer and get more complex. Mm-hmm. So the first mission, for example, could be blow up the fuel depot. The next mission might be uh, infiltrate and 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 kill a general somewhere, and you got and you've got to go through the series of events that takes you to do that. These are missions that are shorter than scope than the hunter, which can the hunter uh, mode can take you for a long time. That's, to get it's stuff like done. the cam. It's basically the hunter. From the way I understand, it, the hunter mode is like the campaign, basically. And, and then you've got the third mode, which is the action mode. Now the action mode is intriguing. It was the one I messed with the least because of, because I could see the scope of it. But basically, in hunter mode, they say, "Listen, we need you to blow up the fuel depot, kill the general, get blow up the headquarters." They've got like twenty things they want you to do. Here, you, we need you to do this. Here's your time limit. Go do it, and then mm-hmm. you just go do it. Mm-hmm. And so you can do it however you want. It's it's a it's a uh, version of the game where you don't have to follow any you're not directed to go different places you just go do those things and and you right. have a certain amount of time uh, and so that's sort of like a I guess if you're going to compare this to GTA which it often is that's probably the mode that's most like just tooling around in GTA doing stuff it's like side missions it's like one huge mission of side missions basically mm-hmm. does that make any sense. Yeah, yeah. Now, I will say that I played all three a little bit, but I spent the most time in mission mode. Did you spend the most time in hunter mode? I, I did. I, well, okay. that's because so I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what mission mode was until I got to it. And then I was like, okay, this would have been a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, but I did, I did, uh, I spent a lot of time in hunter mode because you can kill a lot of time in that. Mm. Um, tell everybody, Boat, uh, what about the, this, how the graphics are in this thing? What did you, th- what did you think when it booted up and what, and try to explain, the, the the backdrop of this game. So this, you know, I feel like this game just screams Activision to me. There's something about the gradient and the in the skyline. This is like a this is like an Atari twenty six hundred game morphed into three D because everything is flat. All the colors are flat. There's very limited colors in this game. I mean, there might be eight colors in this game. Um, and uh, it just reminded me is it, like if you took a game like Pitfall or something like that and you turned it, you just you made all of the 2D sprites into 3D. This would be what you'd have. Um, it, it, I, it, I couldn't get that out of my head. And um, it it's very, uh, you know, dire straits, money for nothing type type 3D, you know, but on the you know, on the upside, this is a fully realized 3D world where you can go anywhere and well, you can't really do anything, but you can do lots of things. Okay. And, um, I was impressed because I never really played a game like this on the Amiga. I guess there's a game called midwinter that I think we played a while back and I, we did, you know, I really should have gone back to that to compare because Hunter always left a bigger impression on me. Um, this game moves very well. Now, I'll tell you this, if you play this on a lower level Amiga, you're not going to have as much as good of an experience. I started out emulating this on an A600 and the game moved much, much slower. 
I had to yeah. bump this up oh, to yeah, a, yeah. I had to bump this up to an A4000. I bumped it up all the way I could. I bumped it up to an A4000. The game ran great uh, there. Now, uh, this is a game where the timing does matter. So like when I was in combat and when things were being hurled at me, like when I was in the in the boat and, you know, rockets were being launched at me and stuff, uh, because I was playing with a faster processor, I had to evade that stuff more quickly. But on the whole, you want to play this or emulate it on the fastest of me you can get. Yeah, so, I agree with that. This game is great for a couple reasons. One, the UI in this game is extremely, extremely intuitive. They don't clutter up the menu system in this game with a lot of unnecessary commands. In a normal Amiga game, you'd have a button for everything. You'd have a button for, you know, look around. You'd have a button for pick up an object. You'd have a button for put the object in your inventory. In this game, you've got objects that are scattered all around the world. And you can go in to pick them up. Guess what you do? You just run over top of them and they automatically get added to your inventory. This seems like a small thing, but we've played so many games that get so hung up on bad UI that it was so refreshing just to have some context sensitive stuff where it's like, yeah, here's the thing. You know you want it. You run over it. You've got it. It's in your inventory. Okay. You've got three simple commands that you can use. You can do talk, give, and quit that that's just a quit that's not really even a command you talk and give okay so when you interact with people in this game you're either going to be talking to them you're going to give them an object or you're going to be killing them those are the three those are all you can do and that's great this game gives you missions okay and the way that the game works is that you have this entire world to explore this this system of 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 small islands this archipelago archipelago whatever and you uh, find different things at coordinates. So, you know, you'll, you'll get your first set of coordinates and the game handily provides you with a logbook where you can enter things. You already get your first set of coordinates in the logbook when you start the mission. And whenever you interact with people, they tell you, okay, you need to go to, you know, 87X or X87Y92. And instead of requiring you to take out a piece of paper or a notebook and some graph paper or whatever, everything is laid out for you in the game. That is great. Why doesn't every game do that? That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I, okay. I, I agree as with you, that. As you move about this world, you'll notice that there's lots of things. There's lots of things. There's vehicles. Every single vehicle in this game, you can pilot. You can jump into it. Guess what? They run out of fuel. But if you find fuel... And you can go to, you know, there's lots of abandoned, not abandoned buildings in this game where stuff is scattered about. Adding fuel is just as easy as opening up your inventory, which is basically hovering your mouse on the upper part of the screen. Clicking on fuel, bam, your thing is refueled. It's great. It's great. The most fun you're ever going to have in your life on the Amiga is riding around in one of these vehicles in Hunter. This is so much fun to get in an ambulance, to get in a tank, to get in a Jeep, and you roll over these hills, and it, there's just something about the way that your, your vehicle just kind of gambles over the hills. It's so cool. It's so cool. And then you get in a rowboat. You can row around. Your little guy rows around. You can get in a sailboat. You can even get in a helicopter. Did you fly around the helicopter, Aaron? I did. I did. I tried all the vehicles. The uh, helicopter the is is real wacky, and you can land it. There were lots of people I read online. They said I was never able to land. I was able to land it, oh, but yeah, most yeah. What, what most people do is they just use their parachute. They jump out of the helicopter to prevent the you know from from landing from crashing and ending your game. Um, this game is 
you know, I, I played it with a walkthrough. I will say that the the bad thing about this game, or it could be construed as bad, is that it does require you to do a significant amount of world exploration. But if you're getting into a game like Hunter, you're going to welcome that because most games don't give you such a big world full of stuff to mess around in. Um, what I did was I, you know, I followed a guide, but it basically was kind of, you know, what you're basically doing is you're moving from one set of coordinates to the next. You're picking up items, you're giving items to people, or you're killing people to advance the storyline. That's that's what the game is. It's basically like a 3D uh, third-person treasure hunt uh, with you know combat elements and all of these fun vehicles to, uh, to 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 take control of. So those are those are my thoughts on the game, Aaron. I agree with a lot of what you said there, but the. Uh... You know, this is a game, when it got picked, because I remembered it, I was, well, I was worried because I thought, man, this seems, this game looked really complicated when we played it. And we, of course, we had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. And I've got to credit uh, the good folks over at Lemon Amiga who have put, have a great YouTube channel. And they have a hunter, a guide to hunter on there. And they go through each of the different types of, gameplay and they kind of they don't i mean it wasn't a guide to play it you know verbatim but they kind of tell you what's going on that really helped me a lot so if you're wanting Mm -hmm. to start hunter that's where i would go go over to uh, lemon uh, amiga's youtube page and check out the hunter guide now with that said uh when you boil this game down it's not that complex i know it seems like it is but it's really not because and it's actually this game was way way ahead of its time and i don't just mean because it's like a gta you mentioned the GUI in this thing, the GUI in this, and you and this is the kind of thing where I, if I'd heard about it, if someone said, "Yeah, you use the keyboard, the mouse, and the joystick," I'd be like, well, "That's crap, not crap." It, it's yeah. believe it or not, it's seamless uh, mm-hmm. using the three. Uh, the inventory is great; it's easy to use. The keyboard shortcuts are there if you want to use those. If you want to use the mouse, you can. The control is perfectly fine. Getting in and out of vehicles is a snap. Something I mean, occasionally you'll get into a vehicle when you don't mean to. A lot of it depends on where. You put the vehicle when you try to get out. But, I mean, that's kind of to be expected. I mean, for God's sakes, this is from 91. Uh, the world is expansive. Uh, uh, the 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 uh, the size of the area is, I mean, is it the biggest virtual world ever? No. But, it's I mean, it's incredibly impressive area. I guarantee it, you. Yeah, I guarantee you it's the biggest virtual world on the Amiga. No, I guarantee no you. way, because not while Ultima's walking around. There's no change. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about a 3D fully oh, yeah. realized I'd say model. You're right, right there. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, you've got uh, all the different vehicles, and you were talking about crashing a helicopter and stuff. I would never do that because these vehicles are precious. Because when you don't have a vehicle and you're having to walk to go to the next vehicle, it's it's a pain. You really want to keep those vehicles intact. You want to keep them gassed up. Um, this game has a ton of stuff that I love. I mean, this if I had bought this game in 91, I'd have lost my mind. Because, I, you know, I always say that I like getting that sense of adventure boat when I play these games. Mm-hmm. This one gives you that. You yeah. can do anything. Like you said, that's anything that's in the game, you can do. And so that means you have to go through and explore all these little houses and huts. And, and they make it so easy to go in there and, and record where they're at. At first, I was like, oh, man, i got to type in the numbers. But after a while, it's funny. That actually, I think, is a plus to the game. It makes you more mm-hmm. involved. It makes you, you feel like, like you're really the, you're the agent, and you're yeah, taking and you down can, the coordinates. You can yeah. take your open new journal. You can fly out to the middle of nowhere, and if you want to, you can mark it. You don't have right. you can mark whatever you want. Right. Like, if you go to a church, you can mark that. If you go to a, you know anywhere you want to go, you can mark it. 
Uh, and it's it, that is a cool element to the game. Uh, the actual missions, are, <laughs> I, I don't know how far you went in hunter mode, but it is really in-depth. The, the the first mission, you're supposed to go out and kill this guy. You don't just go, it doesn't just say, okay, here's the coordinates, go get him. You get the first set of coordinates to go find a guy who told you who else to talk to. Then you go talk to that guy, and you might have to bribe that guy. Then mm-hmm. you have to you know, pay that sucker off. Then he'll say, okay, here, you need to go here. And yeah, so it's you got to get a key a at some hoops. point. Yeah, right. yeah, you got to get, and that's, that's what's great. If this was a game where all you do is you fly to specific coordinates and then you blow up the thing. I mean, we've played a ton of games like that, yeah. and that would be okay. But this game makes the experience so, so much better. Because like you said, you know, here's the thing. When you are playing a game like this and you see a game like this, you want to be able to do whatever you want. You want to be able to realize whatever power fantasy you have. Like yeah. if you, this is where a lot of games fall flat. They draw this this beautiful 3D world. They put you standing next to a helicopter. If a game puts me standing next to a helicopter, I want to be able to jump in the helicopter and fly away. And this yeah. game lets you do it. That's yeah. why it's great. Now I was looking on the on the wiki for this, and because this game is like you, when I mentioned it was only on one disc, and you kind of gasped. It is quite amazing. Uh, the guy that did this was interviewed in the one, right? And he says that the the maps in this are randomly generated each time the game is played, and they're created using fractal geometry. Boat, pretty wow. fancy. Uh, after the map is generated, pre-made three D objects are randomly placed in the game environment. That's great. Uh, he, he says That's Hunter great. is sixty four k large and has a total of one hundred eighty two pre-made three D objects. And they also said that they got the uh, the the they they figured out the little the the three dimensional engine in the game the routines and like it took them like a week I think it said before they before they had it down uh, they began development in February of ninety and and released it released late in ninety one but still I mean that's remarkable this is I'm t- this funny how you always hear about elite mm-hmm. uh, and and elite is very similar to this here's a game that has that has one disc and it does all this stuff. But this game, I'm surprised this game isn't talked about more because you, this is quite remarkable. And you not only is this game where you go and hunt stuff, but I mean, this is an action game. You're in that chopper or you're on a boat and they've got, the enemy has guns. They have enemy choppers that can come up and get you. They've got boats with guns. They will come out and try to kill you. And you get into some pretty crazy uh, firefights as you're flying well, there, around. There, there's, there's, there's a phrase that's used a lot in modern gaming called emergent gameplay. And that absolutely, absolutely exists in this game where things happen because of the sort of random nature of the environment. Uh, you know, like, for example, like seagulls will fly around and a seagull yeah. can land and you can go pick up the seagull, put it in your pocket. You know, there's all kinds of nutty stuff. Or, you know, you can be driving your truck around. There'll be a rabbit. You can hit the rabbit. You can kill the rabbit. It gives you a deduction of credits. Now, that was one thing. I guess I didn't get far enough in the game. I never understood what the credit system was used for because oh. it's separate than the money system. Oh, is it? I, I, when yeah. I saw the credits, I thought it was just, I thought you used it to get stuff in the store. Well, at least as far as I know, because when you pick up money in this game, you pick up money and you use it as like a bartering system. Like there's a guy that you have to bribe in yeah, but did you go mode. to the, Did you ever go to the store to buy stuff? Yeah. And I hit auto and it bought some stuff for me and I didn't have any credits because you start the game with zero credits. Oh, I, well, I have to say that's one. I always thought that was what that was for, just so you could afford more stuff. Because there's a story you start off with, at the, you know, right at your headquarters, right. you, you can go and get mm-hmm. load up. By the way, that's something yeah. else we got to put over. 
It's the auto. I, I like it where you just go in. I don't want to go there and yes. try to put, pick out which bullets to get and stuff. Right. This don't thing make me pick a loadout when up. I'm in yeah. office. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it, that was a gr great addition. I like the idea that you have to explore all the different houses and stuff because I mean, you really you sort of go off the beaten path uh, all the time. I mean, you use your map. And by the way, we should mention. I don't know if you mentioned this. The map on this is an it it can be toggled, but if it's an always on transparent mm -hmm. map that you can have up while you're playing where thank you thank you fantastic. there's no excuse for any game after this that doesn't have that right because it's in right. this, this game is and it 91 works great. yeah yeah the, the the closest thing you know when i would wander around in this game i got the same feeling and i kid you not that i get when i play oblivion or when i you know when i play an elder scrolls game like when you're just you know you you land somewhere and you see some houses off in the distance you're like oh i wonder what's over there and you roll over there i mean it's yes. it's that same sort of feeling you know from way back in 1991 all rendered in 3d you're dead on i have no idea why more people don't talk about this game as one of the great games on the Amiga. We should also mention that your your character has a, a life bar. Okay, now mm. how will you lose life? Well, you could have be shot. You can if you spend too long in the water, uh, mm -hmm. you could be you could, you'll lose your life bar. There are sharks in the game. If you're injured in the water, sharks could come and get you. Uh, there are uh, uh, um, tons and tons of enemies. You could get enemy uniforms and wear those around so you can infiltrate more easily without having to worry about people. Uh, you know, slamming you. There's all kinds of pre-rendered stuff to blow up. There's grenades. There's time bombs. There's uh, missile launchers. There's all sorts of stuff in this. There's a clock, a real-time clock that uh, in game time that you can pick up. And when you hit the C button, it comes up and tells you the exact time. We forgot to mention, at least I don't think we did, that there's a day and night uh, Right. Day-night cycle. Yes. You know, and the day-night cycle is cool. I mean, what yeah. a great idea because you're playing this in game time and so mm -hmm. game time you gets dark and it's so sometimes you're out in the, in the middle of the night messing around right there's flares in this you can shoot up if you need to see better it's just there's so much stuff it's hard to remember it all mm -hmm. uh this game l listen i was ready to uh do what i do when i'm confronted with a game that's too hard for me scratch my head and be like take it boat i'll do my best and, and and so when I and so when I sat down and I, again I'm going to give Lemon credit plus the rule book which is readily available mm -hmm. and the and manual down, let, let, let's take it I don't mean to interrupt you no go but let's take a second to congratulate the manual for not being stupid the manual gives you two pages of story and then the yeah. rest of the manual is all about the game and the things that you can actually do in the game this isn't one of those games that's an 87 page novella with a reference card at the end this manual does it right and again. This goes back to this is still the original Activision. You know, this is this is the the dying dregs of the original Activision. But I believe, and I believe strongly, that the same people that were behind those really simple but you know uh, but addictive games on the twenty six hundred, like River Raid and stuff like that, they saw this thing. They saw how easy it was to get around the world, and they're like, "We want to publish this. This is where yeah. we want to go." Yeah, it's it. This is a tour de force. And, when, and this is something I'm definitely going to remember at our end of the year awards, uh, both. Mm -hmm. um, so I looked up to see what the reception for this was. Guess what? Pretty positive reception, as you can imagine. Uh, both. Good. Uh, Lemon, the folks at Lemon give this an 8.35. Uh, Amiga Action gave it an 89. Amiga Computing gave it a 90. Amiga Format gave it an, an 80, uh, 86. Amiga Joker, they hate everything, 89. 
Amiga Power at 85. CU Amiga 89. The 1, 92. And 0 gave it an 89. Total average score, 89. I guess they found some flaws. I mean, if I'm going to point out a flaw that would lower the score on this, and it's this is a real nitpicky flaw, Boot. In fact, it's it can't be done. Ha- playing from a fixed perspective in a 3D game, I was aching to spin the camera. Yeah. Uh, you know, and yeah. that was beyond the, uh, the the scope of what could be done. Uh, mm-hmm. and because you could be walking on an island, and you could be right beside a vehicle or an enemy, and you would never see them because they were just off screen. And there was no right. way to, you know, kind of rotate around. But, I mean, if you tell me at nine, if, in 91 you could play a game like this, that uh, which a gameplay. You know, we've heard people, me and you heard when we first played this, you're like, oh, it's like GTA. And I was like, sure it is. In fact, I think we even <laughs> joked about it on the show. Oh, it's just like GTA. I had a good hearty laugh, you know. Mm-hmm. It is very similar. Now, Boat called it. If you've got a uh, access to an emulator, crank it up. Crank it mm-hmm. up all the way. Because this would have been tough to play on a stocked 500. You could do it, but it would be slow. Uh, yeah. and, but if you've got a, a an enhanced Amiga, this thing is uh, the this thing was going to go well. Did we get any Discord action, Boatster? We did. We got a couple Discord reviews this week. The first one comes from Lobsterminator. He says, "This was the GTA of my childhood, the first sandbox gaming experience I can recall. We used to play this game with my friend in the same way we played with action figures. We made our own fun and just messed about. I never really learned what the actual goal of the game was, and that never mattered." This style of play has followed me to this day as my favorite games are open world games where I can avoid the main story and make my own fun. Important game for me, Rose Tinted Score, 8 out of 10. I don't think that's Rose Tinted at all. No, I think that, yeah, that was fine. Yeah. Lord Soup writes, fun, but I never figured out what to actually do. 6 out of 10. Also fair. So that's it. That's it for the the Discord reviews this weekend. I I will say as as we close this down, uh, if you have not played this game, and you guys know I'm a gaming coward, but I'm scared of everything uh, when it comes because uh, it's it's too hard for dummy, right? You, if you've not played this or haven't played it for a while, it's it's worth your time to mm-hmm. go and look up that great uh, Lemon Amiga video guide or pick up a guide. There are plenty of guides out there. I'll read the instructions. Just go over them. You're going to be like, oh, my God, 27 pages. It's not that bad. Most of it's no. just like keyboard shortcuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Give this a shot. This, yeah. I would say it's a must-play uh, boat. If you are an Amiga guy, put this one, get it, play it, put it under your belt. I should mention, I looked it up on eBay, Boatster. Uh, I only saw copies of this in the UK. I think this originally came out. I saw a lot of, I think, France and Germany. In the UK, I don't think this ever made it over here. Uh, but I did find it took me a little while to even find the box that was in English. But uh, it, I did find some for sale. UK, uh, sixty-seven bucks, ninety bucks, eighty bucks—all are best offers, and none had sold recently. So this one might cost you a few dollars to pick up, Boat. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's it's weird because you'd think Activision. You know, I, I wonder if there was an Activision UK at this time. Uh, you'd think that this would have gotten a U.S. release, but I guess not. Guess well, not. I'm not so, saying it didn't, but I, right, it's hard to say. It. It, and yeah. the fact that I had so much trouble finding an English box image for the back, so I could read the back, that mm-hmm. usually is an indicator that we didn't get it over here. But yeah, yeah, this is this is a this is a top shelf one, Boaster. 
Yeah. All right. Oh, well, wait, I- hold on. Before we go, I almost forgot something. This was released on the uh, Amiga, but it also got that uh, Atari port. Oh, yeah, and, that's and right. So, the software uh, blitter. So I looked I looked to uh, see how they compared, and uh, they compare favorably. Uh, both the ST uh, version looks very similar. Mm-hmm. And it looks like it plays very similar. And from what I read, it, it, it plays quite well. So if you've got an ST at the house, uh, you might want to give this one a whirl on there as well. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just hats watching off to the play. programmers for making it work. Yeah, I, I don't think I could tell the difference, uh, to be mm-hmm. completely honest with you. They look dead on. So that's yeah. something to look into, Boat. All right, Aaron, I'll tell you what else we should look into, and that's the high score challenge going on over on the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord right now. We got some, uh, we're just winding down the uh, Spectrum Challenge this week. Uh, We're coming to the end of our challenge on Mikey, that classic, classic arcade game. Uh, We've got tons and tons and tons of... um, of uh of entries and you can add yours to the list right now if you head on over to our uh, amigos retro gaming discord uh the amigos high score challenge this is the first day aaron it just rolled over uh mind walker the mind walker challenge has closed uh we uh we appreciate everybody who took part in uh, in mind walker and uh, now we're going to move on and play aaron one of my very very favorite amiga games rough in tumble rough and tumble to me tough game tough game this is uh this is a game that really showed off the power of the ocs ecs amiga and put puts most aga games to shame if i'm being honest uh this it is, is a, this is it's a graphical tour de force if you at all enjoy games like metal slug you should check this out uh and uh this is our new high score challenge for the month so this this closes friday october 29th get your score in early and often and uh, take part in the fun this will be a really interesting competition because this game is a it's a different kind of game on the Amiga. Yeah, yeah. All right, Aaron. We're moving on down the line and we're talking about the old Patreon song challenge, Aaron. So last week, Aaron, uh the uh the winner of the Patreon song challenge, of course, it was There is a Light That Never Goes Out by the Smiths. Uh, and we had quite a few uh, correct answers. Paul Kitching, Mitsuyama, TMX Online, Pac Billy, and Eric Nelson. Jigglebox wrote in, and he says, to quote lyrics, when I first heard this rendition, quote, a strange fear gripped me. So I enjoyed that. I agree um, with that. And he says, but further, the following lines could have been written about the Amigos Retro Gaming Podcast. How prescient. He says, where there's music and there's people and they're young and alive. And he says, apart from the music, perhaps, and the young people. So anyway, Jigglebox, congratulations. You got the right answer. This week, Aaron, if you know the Patreon song, please send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com. I'll announce you as the winner on next week's show. And if you are watching the show live, please refrain from posting your answer in the chat. Send me an email instead. You ready, Aaron? Yes, sir. Let's do it. David Hertz, Chris Edwards, Ram okay, Rom okay, David Terrace, Jude Carlos, Matthew Mobius, The Phantom Magnus, Athletes, Alistair Bean, Christian Russo, David Zing, George Rosansky, The Amiga Show, Daniel Crabtree, Super Family King, Crazy Loomis, William Venter Scar, Heavy System, Bundy Fraglow, Mark Byland, Olaf Opromsky, Jonah, aka Simulant, David Velociraptor, Cowboy Boy, Lane Dance, 
You know, as uh, that that song, um, I didn't realize it when I was playing until I started playing it, and it's the same four chords over and over again. There's no, there's no, there's no middle eight, there's no bridge, just all the way through. So somehow we forgot to talk about what's new and exciting on the old Amigos Retro Gaming YouTube channel this week. So why don't we scoot on over there, man? Bam! But we had a very uh, uh, interesting, diverse, successful week, uh, if I may say, this week. Uh, let's start off, and a lot of people may have seen this last week because myself and the Brent recorded this right after we did the show last week. This is our look at the Capcom CPS Dash arcade system boat. Mm, uh, yes. We we took a look at Warriors of Fate and the Punisher boat. Uh, what do you think about the old Dash system? You know the games that are on it. Do you have any favorites? Um, you know, it's funny because a lot of these games, uh, they were, they were in the arcades. They were sort of in and out. I think this was a time period where these sorts of games were losing ground to the fighting games that were, you know, that were popular at the time. And, uh, I don't really remember seeing a lot. Like I, I don't, I know I never saw a dynasty warriors beat them up. I'm sure I saw the Punisher, but I definitely didn't give it the respect that it's due. You know, listening to the show, I was amazed to hear that it was, uh, it's considered one of the best beat em ups of all time. Well, Brent put it over. I'm, I don't think I'd go that far, but it is go very good. The Punisher is a great beat em up, and we had a lot of fun. You know, Capcom, their arcade stuff. No one can argue that it's uh, it's not mostly quality quality releases. Mm -hmm. So that's ARG from last week. If you are interested in uh, Capcom or just interested in a couple of uh, dipsticks yakking, then this is the show for you, but so moving up the line here. Holy smokes! This is the this is probably uh, the big one this week. This is uh, Sprite Castle responds to the Angry Video Game Nerds C64 video. Bo, did you <laughs> see the Nerd C64 video? I did not see it. Uh, ever since our little incident with the Angry Video Game Nerd, I have not really been a peruser of his content. 
but I did listen to Flack correct the myriad errors, uh, the most egregious of which might be that the, the nerd implied that there were a plethora of three and a half inch discs available for the, uh, the C64. Yeah. Uh, and that is clearly not the case. Um, I know that there were a lot of comments saying, you know, the AVGN uh, shouldn't be taken seriously, but I do believe that it is a responsibility of people like Flack, people from the scene that are in depth with the scene to go through and at least correct, uh, you know, some some factual errors that, that, yeah. that might be made along the way. Well, there was the cat. First of all, I watched the video before Flack did his video, so I had a good frame of reference to watch, to watch this when it came out. And I laughed when I saw it pop. I had a good hearty laugh. I knew what was coming. Because I saw all kinds of screw ups in the show, hmm. uh, but again, this as uh, Flack mentions, a lot of it's for comedic effect, and it's not a deep dive. But all that said, I will say the nerd did not bury the C sixty four like he did the Amiga CD thirty two a couple years back when he went out and flamed through a, 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 an Amiga CD three. That was horrible. Hmm. I'll never forgive him for doing that. I hate when they, I hate when people destroy consoles or arcade yeah. machines. If you want to get me mad, that's how you do it. And I was waiting to see if he was going to take a C64 out and blow it up like a jerk. Uh, but he 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 gave the C64 a lot more love than I anticipated. But Flack, listen, Flack took this dude to school. I don't I don't know if uh, James will ever come around to look at this video. But if he ever needs to see where he screwed up, this is where to go. And, of course, this, this is part one of two. So, presumably, there'll be another C64 video coming uh, around Halloween time. So, this mm. was a great video, though. Very well received. Uh, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, good stuff from Jack Flack. And Jack yeah. Flack's not done. He had a couple this week. So let's talk about the Coco Show, Boatster. Uh, you want to take this one? Yeah. So we talked about mud pies, Aaron. Mud pies. This is a, sort of an interesting game. You can't really call it a clone because it's 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 pretty different. I mean, it definitely takes elements of a, of a game like Food Fight, you know, that Atari game Food Fight, yeah. combines them with uh, some sort of like maze of shooting action like you might find in a game like Berserk. Uh, and uh, the, the end result is pretty fun. It's, it's, it's sort of a multi-room game. If you can imagine Food Fight, except you're moving around multiple rooms and uh, there's sometimes walls and things like that you've got to contend with. Uh, and the object, of course, is not to get to the ice cream cone at the end. It's just to defeat all the bad guys. Uh, I really like this game. This is yet another example of you know a pretty innovative uh, concept uh, that you didn't really hear that much. You know, this game got a release on the Coco and it got a release on the ST and that was it. So uh, I I'm really glad that we, we played this one. This one was fun. I love this game. I'd forgotten about it almost entirely until it came up. But man, this was so much fun. I, w I had a great time playing this game. Uh, I, I, I like it more than Food Fight. I just think it's, mm -hmm. I think it's a lot of fun. Of course, I'm a homer, so there you go. But yeah, if you want to check out some Coco action with Mud Pies, please tune into Coco Show number 24. We had a lot of fun on that one, boat. Yeah. Now, getting back to the Flaxter boat, I actually caught this stream. This I was there, a, too. Yeah, no, we both logged on at the same time under the same name. So this is <laughs> this is Jack Flack uh, doing Spray Castle Plays, Beachhead 2, and G.I. Joe. Now, listen, I love me some Beachhead 2. I used to play this with Hose and my buddy, the Big Q, Rich, over at their pads. And two-player action on this. And this was one of the all-time great two-player games on the C64. Lots of fun. Uh, where one guy plays the invading force and one guy plays the dictator. Uh, lots of fun. Great sound effects. 
uh, great various games. It's funny, I always thought that was weird that there's one game in this collection, in this two-player game collection that's for only one player. I always thought that was kind of weird, but nevertheless, mm. it's still a fun game. Have you ever played Beachhead 2, Boaster? This was my first experience with Beachhead 2, and I believe that this got an Atari 8-bit port as well, so I'm going to have to check this out right. because... Um, even though, you, like, you know, as Flack discovers, playing this one player isn't the most fun in the world. It's still pretty fun. It's still pretty yeah. fun. And I always enjoy games that are full of mini games. And that's right. Yeah. This is right up my alley. Beachhead 1 is good, too. But I think this is the gem of that collection. Then he goes over to play some some G.I. Joe. Now, I knew this game specifically from the from the song and the title screen and the discs the insert disc screen, but I don't know if I'd ever actually seen anyone play the game. <laughs> so mm. I was surprised when uh, I believe Flack compared it to combat on the Atari where you have two players and there's a one player option as well, where you kind of go around and just shoot, a, shoot at each other, almost like a uh, kind of an archony thing. I had never heard that this game was that good, but mm-hmm. looking at it and watching him play it, I will say graphically, I thought it looked pretty good, uh, if I'm honest. Yeah. Have you played yeah. this one? No, no. You know, whenever I think of G.I. Joe in, uh, in gaming, I always think about that 2600 G.I. Joe game, which is not great. <laughs> it's it's not a great oh, game. Oh, God, I forgot about that one, too. <laughs> yeah. Holy smokes, boat. So anyway, that's some Sprite Castle plays Beachhead 2 and G.I. Joe. Uh, uh, G.I. Joe looks interesting, but Beachhead 2 is gold. I really like that one. Now, let's keep the ball rolling because, bam, Spike, Sprite Castle, number 66, River Raid. I forgot to see this one yet. This pot just popped, uh, Boat. But this is all about River Raid. That's your game, if I, as I Yeah, this is, gonna be, this is going to be some high-quality listening on my commutes this week. I can't yeah. wait to hear Flack talk about River Raid because, of course, River Raid, one of the all-time classic games. Uh, I love this game so much. Uh, nothing can beat the uh, the 2600 version, but the 8-bit versions are good. And, of course, there is that winner winner River Raid uh, that was just released um, uh, not too long ago. Uh, and there, of course, all of the Amiga adaptations that we've seen over the years. So I can't wait to check out yet another of what is sure to be a winning installment of Sprite Castle. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm going to come clean. And you and you know this. I've never been a big fan of River Raid. <laughs> just, yeah, I know never, you don't like it. It never did much for me. But I will say at the time... If I could, if I could take myself back to its original Atari release, it was something you had not seen before, and very special game. And I, I don't think I've ever played the sixty-four version. I don't remember playing it, so it looks good though. So mm-hmm. check that out, Sprite Castle sixty-six. While we're on the subject of Jack Flack, uh, I think it just popped yesterday. Uh, the new you don't know Flack. I have just started it, boat. Uh, this is about Cubert, right? This is about Cubert, and uh, Flack goes into some pretty good details from, from the parts I've heard. Cubert, very interesting game. It's an unusual game from an unusual video game manufacturer, Gottlieb, known for their pinball games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was by far their most successful video game, but by a long shot. Yeah. And then Parker Brothers dispersed it amongst everyone, as they're right. uh, prone to do, <laughs> as, we've, as we've talked about. So, last but certainly not least, it's our good buddy, Bam, Frodo and L. This week, Frodo playing, as he terms it, Retro Adver Games Part 1. Retro Adventure Games. Look at that hat. I, I believe there's, a, I think it's Adver Games. This yeah. is a games based on advertisements. Oh, I see. I was I was captivated by his hat and his shirt. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a, uh, a Stormtrooper toque and mm-hmm. then a, uh, it looks like a line art version of Gandalf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Listen, he's styling and profiling both. 
So I'll see where he's going here. He's playing games that have advertising. That's so yeah. clever. Frodo is super duper clever. I'm gonna give him credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're and we're he, just like a bunch of games on his mister that have advertising in them. That's such a great idea. I remember when that was cute and quaint, not like now. We're now, <laughs> we're now we're, we, we beg for it to go. But yeah, we've played that. That's the Amiga game. Uh, that mm-hmm. That's Gold game. Corn Express. That's Gold right. Corn Express. Mm-hmm. Gildenklobben or whatever, as, as, as I recall. Uh, so this should be a good time. It's always good with Frodo. There's Zool, of course. These I didn't. I didn't think I'd make it a whole two, three hour stream of these, but God, you could easily do it. And he did. So oh, it's yeah. a, the yeah. Thompson Twins game. Frodo's got blue hair. <laughs> no wonder he's wearing a toque. He must be cold, Bone. So check out Frodo uh, Retro Advertising Games Part One. That's I'm, that's on the list. I didn't get to see that this week, so that one's going to get watched. I think that's all we got. But what did you and Neil get up to this week? Oh, you know, this this week on This Week in Retro, Aaron, uh, of course, the, the big story is, you know, we're still sort of reeling from the effects of the, the death of Sir Clive Sinclair. So we, we talked a lot about how, uh, you know, uh, Sir Clive uh, affected our lives. Neil's, of course, more than mine. Uh, but, you know, we talked about our love of the spectrum. Uh, we talked about the, the Joust transcode a week before Defender was released on the Coco. So we were a day late and a dollar short on that one. Would have been nice <laughs> to know that was coming before uh, before the day of release. So we could have talked about that. But we talked about Joust on the Coco. Uh, RetroArch, we talked about that appearing on Steam. Um, and finally, we talked about an interesting story. You know, you always hear about these stories of people setting up arcades in small towns and, and everybody just in the small town rallying around them and being supportive. Well, this is a story of a guy that bought up all of the buildings in the town square to put a pinball machine or a pinball and arcade uh, museum in. And everybody in the town hates him. They, they don't want that in their town square. They want to have real stores that bring in real tax dollars. And so uh, that was, it was a real interesting take on the, the the usual narrative. I don't mean to say that everybody hates this guy, but there are lots of people that don't like what he's got me, going on there. Let me tell you and you wonder, I... you wonder what the alternative is because it's not as if real stores are begging to be let into these places. Let's... Listen, I, I doubt everyone hates it. There's a couple snooty upstart jerk stuffed shirts, probably, that don't get the vibe. But here's, from what I heard uh, from listening to this, this guy bought almost all the town square because the buildings were all empty, decayed right. buildings that were dying. This guy came to town with his collection, bought up everything he could to save the town, mind you, because where were these suckers that are complaining when these suckers were empty? Right? right. So I don't want to hear yes. from a bunch of... Uh, uh, holy uh, spud heads who think they know best. If you've got an idea for a store, go get go get a lease on that sucker and put something in there. Otherwise, shut up. That's the way I look at it. If this guy mm-hmm. wants to draw 12 people a day to his pinball shop, that's fine. It's better than not having anyone in there. I, in fact, I think you had mentioned in the story that they wouldn't even rent him another spot that he wanted. Right. You know, he wanted to expand, and that the guy, the one of the owners, told him no. This he'd rather have like his roof fall in. They're a bunch of ingrates. They don't deserve this guy. <laughs> so if they don't like it, tough. I would go to this town in Harvey. I think it was in Indiana, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, McLean. Yeah, Illinois. Illinois. I think Illinois. It's in, out, just outside normal. Yeah. Well, there you go. So yeah, I thought that was an interesting story. I do want to touch on real quick. We talked about this. Uh, uh, we talked about this off uh, line, the retro arch on steam. I've actually, uh, in fact, a year, almost a year ago to the day, uh, me, well, that's not true. A year in November, me and the, the Brent did a whole, 
thanks for giving marathon on retro arch back it was in double secret beta at the time mm. and it was it was rugged but it, we got it to work and i just checked on retro arch about a month ago and it's actually it came a long ways and the matching on on steam can't be beat when you want to play somebody you can just right click hit play you're in it's really easy so that's cool you, man if you're a retro gamer and you've got steam and you've got a good friends list, get in there and try this out. I mean, it doesn't take, it's not that difficult to set up. And once you've got it set up, I mean, it's pretty much wide open. You can do whatever you want on there. And it's uh, very impressive. Yeah. I liked your show this week. Great show. Well, thank you. Thank you. This Week in Retro 52, available on YouTube or podcatchers everywhere. There you go. That's all we got, Boat. Aaron, before we get out of here, we got to, of course, thank the lovely, lovely Twitch subscribers. If you enjoy watching the show live on Twitch, we do record live every Friday night, 5 p.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. Uh, feel free to throw us a couple bucks by subscribing on Twitch. Hey, if you've got an Amazon Prime subscription, you get one free Twitch sub a month. You can use that to support our channel, and it costs you nothing. So uh, we're going to go down the list real quick. We thank all of you guys for supporting us. Frodo and L, Gary Heather, Longshank7, Chris Edwards Restoration, Amy Steph, Rob O'Hara, Blue Train, Lobsterminator, Super Famiking, Zezer Zezerfall, Pie Gravity, Retro Jerry, Luminato8, L, Curtis Boyle, Thirstboard, uh, Texas Foosballer, Octims, Summer Sausage, Macintosh Librarian, Captain Chaos DK, Jason Warrens, Wing Chun Wolf, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, McChessers, Barkbit, Blue Jellyfish, Amiga Live, Paul Kitching, Twilight Zoner, Mind Racks, Back to 8-Bit with Hermski, Mitsuyama, Orom, Oil of Hope, Hey, Jedi-mon in the chat just right now. Thank you for the sub, man. Jedi-mon joining the party. Story 7971, Knight Rider 82, Mikea 3000, Jay Borshers, Pixel Smack, Vector Funk, Happy Coding ZX, Deadless 75, Math Dufort, Scumboy, Uber Scooper Diver, Jigglebox, Eeyore 4077, HSEI Ken, Brock 101, Wishbone, Duncan Styles, Rushi, MSX, Robin Wendell, Arctic Cube, Wild World of Retro, Zoinsuck 1, Dryer Lint 17, Negsol, Explore, Daw Crabs, MTG. Thank you guys so much for supporting wow. us and subscribing on Twitch. Thank you so much. And thanks for the couple of fellas that just chopped in there. Thursday. That's right. Get them on. Thank you. So, Aaron. It's time to take this thing to the house. Next week, we are going to be playing. Get this, Aaron. All right, it's I'm ready. It's a second look week. Remember, second look weeks are where we go back and take another look at a game from the first 50 episodes of Amigos. So we're going all the way back to 2016 on this one, Aaron. The Chaos Engine. The oh, Chaos Engine. Oh, yes. Aaron. All right. This we, is, know, we do uh, need to give nominated. that one another go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. This was nominated uh, by the one and only Thunder from Down Under, Amigos Game Selection Committee member, Mr. Graham Vebke. We appreciate you, Graham, and we appreciate all of the Amigos Game Selection Committee members for voting on this game for us to play next week. So, yes. next week, the Chaos Engine. Thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you next time. And until then, adios. adios.